Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. John 10, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Verse 2, but the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts all his own sheep outside, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Highlight that if you can, or underline it or whatever. They know his voice. Verse 5, however, a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him. Because they do not know the voice of strangers. A couple more verses. Jesus told them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what things which he was saying to them meant. That's me most of the time. Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is um, teaching us a parable about what it looks like to follow. He's teaching us a parable, a story, whatever you want to call it. He's teaching us about what it looks like to follow. And in verse 1, he says, The one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, is a thief and a robber. Now, most of us, when we... Um, goodness. Most of us, when we read this passage, when we read thief and robber, our mind immediately goes to the devil. We immediately say, well, well, the devil is a thief and a robber. And that's true. He is a thief and a robber. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus says that if someone comes in, or if I could say if something comes in, and it doesn't use the door, that thing or that person is a thief and a robber. Jesus doesn't say that the devil is the thief and the robber. We know he is a thief and a robber. We see his hand, right? But it's actually anything that comes in, not by the door, that Jesus says classifies it as a thief and a robber. He, he doesn't say that it's a thief and a robber if it's a fallen angel. He doesn't say it's a thief and a robber if, if it's got the red horns and the pitchfork deal. He says it's a thief and a robber if it comes in any other way but the door. That's why I wanted to read so many verses because later in the story, Jesus, by the way, tells this whole story and he's like, you guys got it, right? And they go, we have no idea what you're talking about. And so then he starts to explain a little more. Jesus is the door. That means if anything in my life isn't coming through Jesus, the door, it is a thief and a robber. It is a thief and a robber. It doesn't have to show up looking like the devil to be a thief and a robber. Listen, this is not a devil-centric message. This is an us-centric message about what he wants to say to us. So, so please don't hear that. But if it shows up and it doesn't come through the door of him, it's a thief and it's a robber. And it'll bear itself out that way. What does that mean? That means everything in my life has to come through the door. Everything in my life has to come through the door. David said that I set the Lord always before me. He's talking about worship, but you know what that, that translates into? It translates into a lifestyle where everything that comes to David has to come through Jesus. It has to come through the Lord. 
That means that my marriage needs to come through the door of Jesus. And if it doesn't come through the door of Jesus, it will be a thief and a robber in my life. My relationship with my kids, I have to make sure it comes through the door. The sheep folds our heart right now, okay? It has to come through the door of Jesus. And if my relationship with my kids doesn't come through the door, it will be a thief and a robber when it gets in. It, everything, everything has to come through the person of Jesus. My work, my relationships, my money. How many of you know, if your money doesn't come through the door of Jesus, it will become a thief and a robber. It'll be spilling out of the boat and you have no idea where it went. Why? Because there is a thief and a robbery, a thievery and a robbery that happens when something comes into my life, but it doesn't come through the door. That means that I have to filter everything. He's talking about a sheepfold that would be enclosed by a fence or a wall and it's got a gate on it. There is a gate and the gate is Jesus. And if it doesn't come through the gate of Jesus, it doesn't matter how good it is. It's not God. And in fact, if you allow it, the God things in your life will become idols and they won't come through the door either. The children of Israel were given gold and silver in the Exodus. The Lord told him, he said, when I bring you out, you're going to plunder the Egyptians. He gets ready to send them out and he says, ask your neighbor for a bunch of stuff. Come on, Lord, do it again. Right? He said, ask your neighbor for a bunch of stuff. They give him all the gold, all the silver, all this stuff. And they say, get out of Egypt. They get into the wilderness. Moses goes up on the mountain and the gold that God gave them becomes the gold that they make a calf with. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. If, the, if everything in my life doesn't come through the door, then it becomes a thief and a robber. What's a thief and what's a robber? I love that Jesus said it's a thief and a robber and not it's a robber and a thief. In the original text, the thief works covertly and the robber works overtly. In other words, the thief steals in secret. It's an embezzler is actually one of the definitions of the word. It's someone who's, who in secret, in dark, steals away things that don't belong to them. And the robber is more overt. In other words, he's the guy who stands with the gun and says, give me your money. That's not how the thief works. The thief works in secret and the robber works in public. But Jesus didn't say that things that don't come through the door are robbers and thieves. He said they're thieves and robbers. Why? Because most of the stuff that shows up in my life to take away from me comes covertly before it ever comes overtly. The devil rarely, I'm going to say rarely because there are exceptions. He rarely rolls up to your house with a tank and says, let's battle. That's not how he works. He works in thoughts. He works in ideas. He works in concepts. He works in beliefs. He works behind the scenes long before he ever shows up and looks like a giant. Before he ever looks like a giant, he's got to convince me he can look like a giant. The back of the book says, I'll look at him one day and say, this is the one. I think Pastor Matt quoted it a couple weeks ago. This is the one who deceived the nations. By the way, you know why we're going to say that? Because we're going to be standing, looking at the throne of God when he shows up. It's not that he's a little Weasley thing he is, but especially in comparison to who he is. That's when he, we look at him and go, that's, he was on my side and that's the one who deceived the nations? But this is how he works. He works in thoughts. He works in ideas. He works in concepts. He works in attitudes. And he plants all these seeds into my life, 
hoping that they'll begin to germinate and put roots down so that one day he doesn't have to show up like a thief anymore. He can show up like a robber. Because once I give him permission to be a thief, he now has permission to be a robber. Did you know he has no authority? He has no authority. Matthew 28, 18, said, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. All. If Jesus has all, as Bill Johnson said, then somebody has none. And that somebody is the enemy. Who does have authority? Who did Jesus talk to after he said, all authority is mine? He said to the apostles, now go. Go and make disciples and teach them everything I've taught you. In other words, I've got all authority. Now here is your authority. Go in it. When man fell, he took the authority that God had gave him and he handed it over to the enemy. The Bible says that the heavens are the Lord's and the earth he gave to man. The earth he gave to man. But when we fell in the garden, we handed over the keys to the enemy. In, in um, I think it's in Luke 4. Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness. And the devil takes him up. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he says, if you'll bow and worship me, I'll give you these because I have the authority to give them to whoever I want. They've been given to me and I have the authority to give them to whoever I want. Who gave him the authority? Man gave him the authority because it was man's to rule. But when Jesus comes in Matthew 28, 18, the same word for given, the authority that was given to the enemy is now given to Jesus. And Jesus gives it to us. But I can lend my authority to the things that I give place to. In other words, when a thought comes that says, I'm always going to be broke, I always have been broke, and I'm always going to be broke, I can lend my authority to that thought and give it a place to take root if I begin to ponder on it. If I begin to think on it, if I begin to meditate on it, if I fill my head up with the thoughts that he wants to give me instead of the thoughts that he wants to give me, the seeds that he is planting take root in my heart. And once they take root, the end result is fruit. He doesn't show up as a giant first. He shows up as a seed. And in the seed is the authority to be a giant. If I'll lend him my authority. But outside of me lending him authority, he has no authority. Verse 2, but he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. The New American Standard Version says a shepherd. Some of the other translations say the shepherd. I like a shepherd because Jesus isn't just talking about himself. Yes, Jesus comes in through the door because Jesus is the door. And somehow he can both be the door and the sheepfold and the one who comes in the door. I don't know how. That's just what he does. But anything that comes in through the door, he puts his stamp of approval on. Jesus says anything that comes in through the door, good by me. Why? Because he filters out the part that doesn't need to be there. So he says anything that comes in through the door, it's a shepherd of the sheep. And it's permitted to be there. Verse 3, he says to him, the one who comes to the door, that's Jesus. To him, or the things that come through Jesus, to him the doorkeeper opens. Stop right there. Who's the doorkeeper? Not Jesus. I'm the doorkeeper. Jesus does not stand as the bodyguard at my heart's door and say, you're not allowed in, you're not allowed in, come on in, you're good, you can come in, you go away. Jesus doesn't do that. He has given me the authority to be the doorkeeper of my heart. The doorkeeper here is an under-shepherd. I'm shepherding my own heart. 
And Jesus says, you've got the authority. You can let stuff in or you can keep stuff out, but it's up to you. He will not stand at the door of my heart and say, that thought can't be here. He'll give me his word that shows me it can't be there. He'll give me his voice that shows me it can't be there. He'll give me his presence that reminds me that it can't be there. But it's up to me to guard the door of my heart. Pastor Mike, Apostle Hall, Pastor Matt, they cannot guard the door of my heart. I've got to be the one in the car on the ride home when the thought comes to say, now hang on a minute, that doesn't sound like the voice of a loving father who gives good gifts unto his children who ask. That sounds like the voice of someone who wants to come in and steal and take. I've got to be the one who guards the door. Too many Christians in this culture of Christianity have said the pastor will take care of me the apostle and prophet and evangelist and teacher they'll take care of me but their door is wide open and stuff is running in and out and here and there because nobody ever told them it's your authority and you've got to use it if something gets in you kick it out Call them if you need prayer, but you kick it out. It's your heart. You've been put at the door. You stand guard. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep listen to his voice. And he, the shepherd, calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. We talk a lot about being sent in this church. And we should because we're an apostolic house. We're a kingdom house and that's what kingdom people do. They're sent. We're sent to this house, to our families, to our workplace. We're sent to our communities. We're sometimes sent to Walmart, bless God. We're sent, but every sending of the Lord is actually a leading. Every sending of the Lord is a leading. He will never send you somewhere where he won't lead you. If you're going somewhere and you look up and realize the master isn't in front of you, you've gotten a wrong direction somewhere or slipped off the path. He always leads where he sends. And many have been led into a place where they felt sent and looked up and 10 years from then the master wasn't there. But he always leads where he sends. When he puts all his own sheep outside, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Let me go ahead and read the next verse really quick. However, a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. What is Jesus saying? There's a lot of voices, but it's the voice you know that you're supposed to follow. It's the voice you know that leads you. It's not the voice you hear that leads you. It's the voice you know that leads you. The word know there is to perceive. It is to give place to. It's to notice, to discover, to pay attention to, to observe or to discern. In other words, the word, that the voice that I give place to, the voice that I discern, the voice that I chew on and meditate on, that voice will by default lead me. That's wonderful because I've got a whole book full of what he said. It's living, it's alive, it's active, it's not dead word. I can meditate on what he said and that leads me. But it's also, it's also I don't want to say scary, it's also sobering. Because if I begin to meditate on other voices, those voices begin to lead me. 
Those voices begin to create something in me that takes me off of the path of what he said. It's not, it's not denying circumstances. It's not saying, oh, I'm not sick as I hack up a lung. That's not what it is. It's not saying I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord while I'm scraping together money trying to pay the bills. It is meditating on what he has said and realizing that my circumstances may not say it yet, but he is a promise keeping God who is assigned a reality for me to step into. And I will not give place to some ulterior thought that will lead me down a path where he's not leading. Where he's not leading. The word for follow here is to become an, a, a disciple. It's to become a disciple. You can be discipled by the negative thoughts that you give place to. You can be discipled. That means you don't just have a bad day. You can be discipled. You actually begin to accompany and walk in tandem with thoughts that tell you you're not highly favored. You're not blessed. You're not a son and daughter of God. You've messed up too much and you've gone too far and you fell again and he doesn't love you. When you lend your authority to that thought by giving place to it, you actually begin to accompany that thought. You become a disciple of deception. And it doesn't have to come from the voice of the enemy. Sometimes my own flesh is worse, I think, than the enemy. Sometimes the voice of culture is worse than the voice of the enemy. I got a neighbor on this side bought a new truck, and a neighbor across there bought a new truck, and a neighbor over there bought a new truck. I think I'm going to buy a new truck. And the Lord says, you don't have any money. And you go, bless God, I'm buying a new truck. Sometimes it doesn't come from some demon. Sometimes it's Bob across the street and his new truck. But I can actually accompany those thoughts. I can be discipled by someone other than the master. By someone other than the master. Paul said, Paul said that we are, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's by the renewing of our minds that we're transformed. It's not the renewing of my, my actions. It, common sense would say it's what you do that matters. That's not actually true at all. It's how you think. Because how you think will eventually play out in your life. Scripture says that as a man thinks, so he is. As a man thinks. Not as a man does. That means, hang on. I can be playing the part and be thinking wrong and eventually it'll show up. Eventually it'll show up. I can put on the smile and in here be entertaining thoughts of I'm supposed to be depressed. I'm supposed to be anxious. I'm supposed to be nervous. I'm supposed to be worried and play the part out here. But eventually the thief and the robber begin to manifest. And now it's not just a thought of a giant. It is a giant standing in front of me. And now I've got to do something about this massive thing that's standing in front of me. Because a seed that I gave place to in my soil has put down roots and begin to germinate. How many of you know it's a lot easier to dig up a seed than it is to dig up a root system? We took out bushes a few years ago and I about quit. Sold the house, burned it, moved away, get me out of here. It's awful. I didn't have Jordan's cool equipment. Doing it with a shovel and a pickaxe. A root system is hard to get up. It spreads out and it begins to touch everything around it. 
And now all of a sudden, this tiny thought, this tiny seed, this tiny negativity that I've allowed into my heart, it's not just affecting that one area that I gave it place to. It has spread out and it's got roots everywhere. And now I've got to deal with the implications of where this thing is spreading out to. And it's because I've been discipled by a thought that I was never supposed to give place to. I've actually been discipled by that thought. He says a stranger, they simply, I love this, the way the New American Standard says, a stranger, they simply will not follow. They're just not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Why? Because they recognize that even leaning in that direction starts to give authority to that thing. And it says, but they will flee from the stranger. In other words, it's not enough to just say, well, you know, I, I, I hear that thought and okay, I entertained it for a minute, but I'm, 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 I'm moving on now. It says they will flee from a stranger. In other words, they run from the thoughts. They run from the ideas. They run from the attitude that tries to raise up. Paul said, take every thought captive to the authority and obedience of Christ. He didn't say brush the thought aside or arm wrestle with the thought or fist fight the thought. He said, take it captive, arrest that thing and throw it out. Because it cannot stay for even a moment. If it stays for a moment, it'll begin to multiply in its effect. And Jesus said, a stranger, they will not follow. In fact, they will flee from him because they do not know the voice. All right, let's read a couple of verses. Verse six, Jesus told them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what the things which he was saying to them meant. Been there. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Got that. I can do that. I'm the door of the sheep. Verse eight, all those who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not, li- sheep did not listen to him. Verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Here we go, verse 10. This is what we're getting to. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. All right. We have put this as the thought bubble, as the, as the logo, as the narrative over who the devil is, right? How many times have we heard it in... In every circle of Christianity, it seems, that that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. It says the thief. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Is the devil a thief? Absolutely. Is the work of his hand stealing, killing, and destroying? Yep, bingo. That is. But it's not just him. It is everything that comes in, not by the door. How do I know that? Because a thief is someone who comes in not by the door. So if something comes in not by the door, here's the effect of it. Theft, death, and destruction. My marriage, if it's not by the door, it will result in theft, death, and destruction. My finances, not by the door, theft, death, and destruction. Why does Jesus juxtapose the thief and robber with the shepherd? When we... In in modern Christianity, when we think of the devil, most often we think of this big bad devil who comes to snatch us up and tear us to pieces. That's not what Jesus said. He says that a thief and a robber is actually trying to pose as a shepherd. In other words, the thief and the robber are there to lead you. But they cannot lead you where you will not follow. 
They can't lead you where you say, I'm not going there. Jesus goes on in, in chapter 10 to talk about wolves. And he says that the wolves come to snatch and to scatter. I don't know what the wolves are. All I know is Jesus said, but I'm the good shepherd and I got that taken care of. So don't worry about it. So Jesus takes care of the things in my life that want to snatch me up and tear me to pieces and scatter me. But it's my responsibility, my responsibility to make sure that I'm being led in the correct direction. The good shepherd took care of the wolves. But I have to make sure in my heart that I'm following only one voice and it's his. Because any other voice that doesn't come through him, it results in theft, death, and destruction. And Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. How? By following him. By following him. Life and life more abundantly does not come when I give place to theft, death, and destruction. Theft, death, and destruction are not life and life more abundantly. They're theft, death, and destruction. If I give place to the voice of something that is not coming through him, I nullify his work of giving me life and life more abundantly. I can take an area of my life that he wants to bless me in, and I can give place to something that's not him. I can give my authority to something that's not him. I can give my heart to something that's not him, and an area where he wants to bless me with life and life abundantly, all of a sudden have theft, death, and destruction. Even though he's saying, I want to bless you there. I want to help you there. I want to increase you there. He recognizes that I followed something that wasn't him. I followed a voice that wasn't him, and the result of it is theft, death, and destruction. The Lord in his goodness established a law. And he said that there's sowing and there's reaping and that God won't be mocked. And whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Here's the glorious part about that. It is impossible to give in secret where God can't see it. Why? God established a law. In other words, it's automatic. When you give your time, your effort, your attention, your energy, it has to be given back unto you. Because he established a law. He wanted to make sure in his sovereign goodness, I never forget one thing that they do in my name. So I'll establish a law. that So for eternity, whatever they do, it'll be given back to them. That means that if I sow in his name, that I reap in his name. It's automatic. But it also means if I allow seeds to come into my heart that are not his voice, the result is the reaping of the effect of those seeds. He's not going to step in and contradict his law. Now, in his goodness, in his mercy, in his love, does he sometimes come in and put the axe to the roots? Yeah. But it's a lot easier to pick up a seed off the ground and throw it to the wayside than it is to get in there and dig up a root system that's taken plant in my heart and stretched into my marriage and into my kids, and into my grandkids, and into my finances, and into my work life. It's way easier to pick up a seed that's laying on top of the ground and throw it by the wayside. You know, in, in ancient Israel, they didn't plant crops like we did. They didn't, they didn't dig and then put the seed and then cover it with dirt. They actually scattered the seed on top of the ground. And then they came by and, and, and they somehow plowed on top of the seed, and that's how the seed got down in the dirt. That means the seed starts on top. The seed starts on top. And I can pick it off the top of the soil before it ever has a chance to get down in my heart. I can throw it to the wayside 
but I cannot allow myself to be discipled by things that aren't him. That aren't him. And I've done it in my life. I've done it so many times that I, it comes as a thought. It comes as an idea. It comes as, as, it comes as wisdom sometimes. It comes as wisdom sometimes and it sneaks in and I begin to lend my heart to that thing. And all of a sudden this seed that had no power to bear anything. Now it's got the added, it's got the added authority of one who's been blessed by the father. And now this thing's got miracle grow on it and it's planting roots and stretching out everywhere because I allowed myself to be discipled by something other than him. But he gave us the fix. He said, use the door. Use the door. That's the, that's the cure-all. Did it come in through the door? No. Then it can't be here. Did it come in through the door? Yes. Then it's good. It's good to be here. I want to be discipled by his word. I want to be discipled by his promises. I want to be discipled by his goodness and loving kindness. Not by the attitudes and the thoughts of the age or my own flesh or the enemy who's working against me. I want to be discipled by what he has said. And it's as simple as using the door, using the door. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.